Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, aliens, psychics, religion, new age, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, holistic health, philosophy, and even dating. Some shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and discoveries, while other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up what spirituality in today's modern world really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelyleah.com or at thelovelyleah on Instagram so we can connect. Become a Patreon supporter to get access to behind the scenes of our guests, freebies, early access to new episodes, discounts on merch, and more. Hey there, my name is Aaliyah Lovely and I am the host of a chart tapping podcast called Spiritual Shit. And I have a workshop available to you called Intro Into Your Intuition. It's a training course to teach you more about how intuition can work for you. We cover topics about how to deepen your intuition, how to learn more about truth, overcoming your fears, understanding your sensitivities, and how to connect with the universe. Most importantly, how to distinguish the difference between anxiety and intuition. This workshop is available for easy listening on thelovelyalia.com. And it is only $9.99, which is a very affordable price if you are not able to work with me one-on-one and want to gain insight into intuition through my personal teachings, all available to you right now. So please go over to thelovelyleah.com to get your own copy of Intro Into Intuition and get started with being able to connect to your side of the universe. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Leah Lovely, and I'm so excited to join you guys today for our last episode of 2020. What a fucking year, guys, right? <laughs> this has been such an intense and crazy, um, I would even say awakening process this year as we have gotten into just some of the most... I mean, like some of the news that I've even been watching have been like, this cannot be real. This year has been insane. Um, more than that, I, you know, the connection that I've made with you guys over this year has also been an incredible highlight to my entire life. We just crossed over 600,000 plays and are well on our way, uh, to a million. I say that in uh, manifestation prose. <laughs> um, but it's been, it's been something really, really exciting. And, as I was sitting here over the last week, kind of evaluating how I wanted to do this episode, I was thinking deeply about like what I wanted to share with you guys and, um, you know, just kind of like, what is it that we've been looking towards manifesting? And I know manifesting is such a like buzzword and, um, you know, it's something that we like, everybody's talking about, like, I want to manifest money. I want to manifest a partner. I want to manifest X, Y, Z, new job, whatever. And I want to, I want to dig into what that is and what it means. But before I do any of that, I want to break down what this year has looked like for me in manifestation. And I want to give you a full scope. Some of you guys who listen to every episode, uh, know already kind of like the deal and the breakdown, but I'm about to put together my entire year of how I was able to manifest insane things that I've been trying to manifest for most of my life in one year. Okay. So let's get started in January. No, let's back up in December. (laughs) Um, I had made this decision that I was ready to find love and I was in a position where I had, um, you know, a few years prior had gotten divorced and had decided that this, that there's a type of person I'm out there looking for, um, that I'm trying to manifest in my life. And so I had this hang up with this guy who I had been into for probably about two years. And I knew, and some, some facet, I was so stuck on the idea that we must've been, um, soulmates or twin flames or something like that. And it was to an obsessive degree. Like it was somehow, I, I believe probably some type of trauma bond that I had with this person, but he was the first person that showed me kindness, um, post my getting out of, um, my relationship. And so I think that in some way I bonded to him and kind of made him the poster boy for, 
um, you know, what I thought I was looking for in that moment. And I couldn't see, I couldn't see what was wrong with the situation. I was so desperate and I was so broken during that time. Nothing wrong with being broken, you know, like we all have our time, but that I couldn't see anything else. And when I was in that position, it was really hard for me to visualize anything else because this person was, um, you know, categorically taking over the energy of the person I was trying to call in. And so at some point I made a decision and I said, okay, I need to tell this person to the fullest degree that this is how I feel about you, <laughs> knowing this person is going to reject me, knowing it full hearted, like knowing that this was not going to go in my favor, but I had to do it because I needed like the final acts. And maybe I'm a masochist. I don't know. I could have been, I mean, at some point needed to drop it because there was already kind of an ax that came uh, the year before, but not quite as axy. <laughs> like, um, I, I needed things to be fully cut off. And so anyway, wrote him this long message telling him, detailing out how much I felt about him and all these things. And he came back in the nicest way and rejected me fully. And I said, okay, all right. Cause I didn't want to take it into 2020. I said, I don't want to take this energy into the new year. I want to move on. I desperately need to be able to make new energy for myself and a new pathway for someone else to come in. Now, then I had gone to Bali for two months and I'd already decided previously in that previous year, uh, in October that I was going to go on this travel year. I was going to go on this remote year. I was going to travel the world. I was going to do all the stuff. And the idea that I had with that was that, um, I would put myself in a better position to meet someone I would actually be interested in. And I don't know, for some of you, maybe some of you guys are like, man, she's, <laughs> it ain't that deep to find a partner or whatever, but it's always kind of been, that's, that has always been my dream. Like I wanted to have love, like real deep and true love. And it's not so much that it came out of such, such a place of desperation because I was really independent, but it came out of this knowing that I knew something was out there. I knew that there was something I was being built up for or waiting for or something like that. And so to have it on the precipice, always kind of like just in my psychic energy, knowing that it was out there, I had such an urgency of like, I need to find what this is. Little did I know that this urgency was what was causing me a lot of my resistance because I wouldn't just surrender to what the universe had for me. I had all these plans about how I thought it was going to come. So I made this travel year um, plan or whatever. I'm supposed to go to eight countries or something. First stop was Bali, went to Bali. And I decided that Bali was the stop that I was going to go clear my heart. And Bali was the stop that I was going to allow myself to breathe, not to have any urgency about dating or anything like that. And what Bali had for me was something a little different. And I got there and I, I noticed that, you know, everybody there was like, not everybody, but everybody <laughs> was super fit, um, white, <laughs> which surprisingly in, in Indonesia, I was like, where are all the Indonesian people? Um, and, and, you know, just yoga instructors and the whole bit. And I, I just, I was like, how did I go halfway across the world? No, across the world and still feel like I'm in a place where I don't fit in. And so I asked for uh, a diverse group of friends that I would be able to find and connect with while I was there. And it was almost like the first week that I made this connection with all these wonderful, beautiful and incredible women. And there was just kind of like this sisterhood that we had. And it was, it was so much fun. Like I just, I, 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 if any of you guys are listening, I just love you to death. We had this like sorority almost of, of these women who were all working on themselves, all working through trauma and healing and spirituality. And it was every time we got together, there was a, such a deep talk and deep focus and really like this, like incredible female bond that it, it satiated my need for relationship. So I wasn't necessarily really looking while I was there. And so in that pathway, um, I was starting to understand and open up new avenues of the way in which I let myself receive love. And so there was one day where I was in uh, yoga, Shavasana, and I was sitting there and this, this thought came to me. 
um, I got to see a vision of what I didn't realize was trauma, uh, something I experienced as a child. And it was a moment where I, <laughs> I realized, um, actually, let me tell you the story. The story is, is that I had this vision of my coach. I was maybe nine or 10 and I was in gymnastics for a very short while. And I saw this picture of my coach coming to me and asking me, Hey, do you have the money for class? And me being feeling just really upset and sad. No, I don't have the money for class. I'm really sorry. Um, I, I, you know, my parents didn't give me the money and me going back home and being like, mom, do you have the money for class? And she's like, oh, I don't know. Ask your dad, go to ask my dad. No, we don't have money for the class. Not this time. We'll try and get it, you know, for next time. And me carrying this kind of burden of feeling like, oh, I hate asking people for things and, and, and being an empathic child, feeling the burden that they felt when they had to tell me no. And me feeling like, oh, I wish that I could do it on my own. I wish I didn't have to, um, you know, ask someone for something or make someone feel burdened by what it is that I want. And I learned in those exchanges that, you know, when I want something that hurts other people. And so what ended up happening is that several months later, I got a C on one of my tests or something in math class. By the way, I had this terrible math teacher, really, really awful. Um, also struggling with dys dys dyslexia, dyslexia, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And, and really struggling with, you know, algebra and things like that. And when I came home, my dad said, oh, well, you didn't get the grades that you needed, so you're going to have to quit gymnastics. And that was never a contingency before. It was never like you have to keep your grades up or it wasn't like, okay, on well, next test, if you don't, then you can't. And I knew in that moment that that wasn't why. It wasn't why I had to quit gymnastics. I had to quit gymnastics because my parents couldn't afford it. And my dad found a way to make it my fault. And he might have not knowingly done that. It might have been just kind of like the easy out, but it made it made me feel terrible. Like I was the one who failed. And being a tender nine or ten year old at that time was really it was really hard to kind of face and understand and even recognize like this wasn't the reason why um, you know, you couldn't afford it and I made you feel bad because I asked for something. So let me learn not to ever ask anybody for anything ever again. Let me learn not to ask for help. Let me learn to do everything by myself and to be independent and make sure that no one else is going to have to contribute anything to me because if they do, they'll take it away and I won't have control over the things that I want in my life. And that lesson was instilled very early. So I'm sitting in this yoga class in Bali and all of this information is coming rushing towards me. And I'm wondering, what do I do with this information? And uh, one of my guides said to me, you know, this is, this is why you're having such a hard time. One, calling in money because you can't ask for help. And two, calling in partnership because there is no space for anybody to contribute to your life. You're afraid they're going to be taken away in some kind of way. So you don't have the energetic opening for someone to feel like they can contribute to your life. And especially a masculine energetic who wants to do something in your life. And so it hit me kind of like a ton of bricks. And I was like, shit, okay, what do I do with this energy? Now I had a situation that happened while I was there that, um, <laughs> propelled me to have to ask for money from one of my friends. And one of my friends, they said, you know, if you need anything while you're down there, let us know. Um, you know, we can send you some money or whatever. And I was like, heck no, like I can't do that. And so while I was in this, you know, small bind, of trying to figure out what to do about my finances, I'm, I'm shaking trying to write an email to ask for help. And I rewrote and rewrote that email guys for 10 days. I scroungled, like scroungled, <laughs> like I just, you know, collected as much money as I could in pennies, in pennies guys, like, and, and, and just trying to like scrape by. Thankfully, Bali was super cheap, but because I didn't want to ask for help. And here I am at my lowest when it comes to my finances in a place where I'm not really working. I'm there to heal. I had been chronically sick the year before because I worked too much and I'm barely getting by and I can't ask someone for help. It is giving me anxiety to open that portal, to let someone in and, and, and give me something. Then I had to contend with the idea that I wasn't worth someone giving me something when in any situation, if I had it, I would give it to someone else. And I just thought, man, this is, this is, I did. Why is this so hard for me? 
And at some point, finally, I had the dam broke open because I didn't have any more money. And I had to say, okay, 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 I have to, I have to ask for help now. And when I did, that did something. There was, there was like a portal or something that felt like that opened up. That was like, okay, she did it. Okay. <laughs> we, we opened up some of that energy and other things started to rush in. Other people started coming forward and saying, Hey, can I help you with this? Hey, do you need this? Would you like a free this? You know, it was just, it was out of nowhere. So in that time, maybe this was like mid February, I think, um, at some point I decided to do a Reiki session with my friend, Holly Sloof and, um, take her name down because she was really helpful for me. And when we were, um, doing this Reiki session, she did this session because I, my intention was to open my heart. How can I open my heart? How can I lean myself into a place where I'm more willing to ask for help or open myself up to people contributing to my life, open myself up to the universe contributing to my life? How can I be in this position? I didn't realize that I booked this Reiki session on February 22nd. So 222, the master number, angel number for partnership. <laughs> so I opened up my heart and I did this Reiki session with her. And there was a lot of stuff that came up. And um, one of the things that came up was that I had this kind of idea. You know what? I won't tell you that part. It's a, it's a long story. But anyway, doing all this heart opening work. And I felt super drained after the session. I saw guides and angels and we talked about past lives and and, and all these kind of lessons that I was learning uh, karmically. And so after she left, because I was so drained, I, had, I fell asleep and went to into dreamland. <laughs> and I had the most potent dream. I had a dream that I was sitting on the, on the steps of a monument with my sister and we were standing on these steps and I, down below, we could see a group of eight black men marching. And in the front of the, the line, there was a man, um, who he noticed us sitting up top. And so he, they marched towards us. They walked up the stairs and, um, they came up to my sister and she's like, y'all leave me alone. <laughs> so they came up to me and the man who was in the front said, are you single? And I said, ah, oh, what do you guys want? Like, don't bother me. I'm just hanging out with my sister. And you know, whatever. And he said, would you please join me inside? So I said, yes. And I walked inside with him. When we walked inside, whatever this monument was, we walked into this kind of look French Victorian looking saloon, kind of, um, like a, like a dance hall where they would have like banquets or something back in the day. And he asked me if I would have this dance. So we start in on this dance that looks like something out of Pride and Prejudice, you know, <laughs> um, this very choreographed, very um, elegant and formal dance. Mind you, we're wearing like Jordans and hoodies and stuff. And we engage in this dance that feels very romantic, almost erotic. You know, you're not touching really each other except your hands and um, the way that you look at each other or whatever. Like, you know, you know the vibe. <laughs> so we're doing this dance and at the completion of the dance, he says, um, would you please join me in the back room? And so I join him in this back room and the back room's all red. And I'm like, uh Oh, what goes down here? Um, and he sits me down on this chase lounge and he stands in front of me kind of in like a Butler stance with his hands, um, next to his hips, um, almost behind his hips. And he says, would you like to have sex? And I was like, see, I knew it. I knew you were one of those guys who blah, 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 blah. He says, I wasn't finished. And like he's holding his hand out, right? Like he pulls one hand out. Would you like to have sex? And then he pulls his other hand out and he says, or would you like your equal and capable partner? And I was like, I mean, that's how I've described the person I've been trying to call into my life. And I said, I want my equal and capable partner. And he says, then wait for me, please wait for me. And I walk up to him and he gets ready to lean in to give me a kiss. And then my sister comes in and she says, what are you guys doing? And I wake up. <laughs> So, but the dream was so potent to me that when I woke up, I immediately went to look for pictures to find, um, you know, what <laughs> can I make a marker of who this person is? And so I took a screenshot of a couple of people and, um, you know, detailed the dream out to my friend Holly. I said, man, I had this crazy dream about this guy who says, you know, wait for me. And, you know, this is kind of what he looked like. And so she's like, wow, that's crazy or whatever. So, you know, I don't think too much of it, but I do have in my mind this whole time, someone is telling me to wait for them. And if 
if that's the case, I felt like he was close by anyway. If that's the case, then I don't want to waste my time with, you know, talking to other guys or being on, you know, Bumble or, you know, whatever. I want to, I want to surrender to whatever this is because this is who I'm trying to call in. This is who I'm trying to open my heart to. So fast forward, I go to France and, um, I'm, I'm going straight from Bali to France cause I'm on the, uh, I'm, I'm getting ready to shoot a job up there. And this man walks up to me, um, while I'm in the airport, he's wearing a leather jacket like I am. And, um, I notice him cause like we're dressed the same and he's kind of cute. So, <laughs> um, and he's standing behind me and I turn around and I said, where are you from? Because everybody else is in flip-flops and stuff. We're the only ones wearing leather jackets <laughs> in a Bali airport. And, uh, he tells me where he's from or whatever. And we get to talking. And, um, at some point, some woman has walked up to me and she asked me to put her, uh, water bottle in her bag. And which is so weird. She just random, randomly walks up to me and says, Hey, can you put my water bottle in my bag? Turn, hands me the water bottle and then turns around. Mind you, this is after COVID broke out pretty seriously. And I'm like, that was so weird. So I put it in her backpack. I thought, why couldn't you just take your backpack off and put it on whatever? So anyway, um, I said, that always happens to me. People walk up to me and ask me for the, the weirdest things. And he says, it's because you're an earth angel. And I was like, what? <laughs> okay. This handsome man is calling me an earth angel. All right, here we are. Um, and so he says, no, for real, I saw your wings from over there. That's why I came over here. And I was like, is this like a line? Like what? <laughs> Someone's like targeting me or something like that. Anyway, the guy sits from me maybe three rows once we get on the plane. And after we get off the plane, he walks me to my gate, gives me a kiss on the cheek. I hope we see each other again sometime. We traded phone numbers, the whole deal. So this could have been like one of those things where it was like, oh my God, <laughs> look at this story, the the, the meat cute, you know, <laughs> the theatrics of what this could have been. And at first I started to get myself hyped because I was like, wow, that was really interesting. I, I never have guys that come up to me like that, never. And I thought that maybe this was as a result of me clearing some of that energy. Suddenly people are coming up to me, um, you know, offering me things or, you know, trying to get my number or whatever. Like that just never really happened to me before. So fast forward a couple more days and I'm walking through um, the Ritz in Paris, getting ready to go to drinks with some friends. And there's these two British guys who walk up and I'm walking in the opposite direction of them. And the t one of the tall ones is like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> where are you headed? And I'm like, I'm going to drinks with some of my friends. Uh, yeah, that's where we're going to mind. They were going the opposite direction. So they turn around, follow me to this, this bar or whatever. I'm not feeling threatened per se. Uh, they seem really nice and I can't find my friends. And they're like, well, here, sit at our table while you're waiting. And I'm like, well, that's harmless. Okay, sure. So we sit down, we get in this long talk. It's actually a really good talk. And this guy seems really, really cool. So I'm like, all right, cool. We chilling, whatever. Uh, the next couple days we keep trying to meet up, doesn't happen. And, <laughs> um, I just kind of counted it out and was like, okay, that was what that was. I still thought it was weird because someone had come up to me and was still trying to like hit me up again. Now you, some of you guys might be like, oh, that's no big deal. And I'm like, this never happens to me. Okay. So to have it happen back to back was pretty weird. So I said, I must've done something with my energy. I must've turned something on. I'm not hidden anymore. People can see me. <laughs> so anyway, uh, a couple days later. I just wrote it off and said, okay, you know, that's, that wasn't supposed to happen. So I go to go shoot this event. And when I walk out of the event, I get a text message from this guy and he's like, Hey, where are you at? And I look up and he is standing 10 feet in front of me. Okay. And it, it scared me. Cause I'm like, how did, how the fuck out of every place in Paris did he know that I was here? And he's looking at his phone. He's standing with a group of his friends and I, I walk straight up to him. I'm like, I'm right here. And he's like, holy cow, what are you doing here? I'm like, you knew I was here. And he's like, I didn't know you were here. And I'm like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm here for the show. And I was like, I'm here for the show. And he's like, that's crazy. This is one of my friend's shows and blah, 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 whatever. It was such a weird coincidence. And I was like, okay. So anyway, we ended up going out that night. And this man is telling me, you're the most beautiful person I've ever met. You're this, you're that. I could see you being the mother of my kids. You're blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, this is insane. I've never experienced this kind of attention before. Also like love bombing. <laughs> um, I didn't trust it. And I had this, you know, moment of like, this is, this is really strange, but I don't want to settle, you know, I don't want to get excited because, you know, something is packaged similarly to something that I want, but not quite. 
And there are all the reasons. There's so many more reasons. This, this episode will be too long if I told you all the details, but I just want to kind of build this up for you that in this moment, I had opened something energetically that allowed myself to be seen. And in this, this means that I was conquering some of my other subconscious beliefs and or wounding that was keeping me hidden for a very long time. And so anyway, I get home, um, you know, COVID has really kicked off. Everybody's in quarantine when we get back. And I'm kind of talking to both of these guys simultaneously because neither of them are in the same country. Not that I was like two-timing anybody. We're like, okay, we'll just be friends because we can't do anything else. And I find other further details that figure out, okay, these guys definitely weren't (laughs) any type of prospect. So I'm glad that I didn't get excited about that. Um, Then another guy comes in, same thing. So anyway, all that to say, it was suddenly like I was able to be seen and I, I had the decision to make, was I desperate and did I just want the attention? Was I willing to settle for something that wasn't mine? And, or was I willing to wait? Was I willing to wait for this person who I knew was somewhere in the cosmos, but wasn't sure when they were going to come. And so anyway, quarantine kind of went down. And at some point I just thought, you know what? I'm stuck in Kansas city. I'm not going to be able to meet anybody. Like I'm not going to be able to find anyone. And I, I, I need to surrender to this process at which one point I made an episode that some of you guys have listened to where I was like calling out and saying, I know this person is close to me. If you know anyone even like that's where I was at. Okay. And I, I have no shame in saying it. I don't care how desperate it looked at the time. It was super vulnerable and I don't regret it because I know for a lot of you guys, it's like, damn, <laughs> like I've been there. I know what that feels like. But I was having, I was dealing with something massive in my soul about this loneliness that I felt and also feeling the separation from someone I felt like I knew already, someone I've dreamt about, someone I feel in my energy field and feeling like you miss someone that you've never met before. And this phenomenon that I was feeling that was getting stronger and stronger and stronger was kind of signaling, signaling me and saying, will you wait for this person? Are you going to continue to try to look and do and move and be in that, that, that do energy, trying to force something into being because you, you want it too bad. That urgency is there. So I got to a space where I was like, all right, urgency, you need to sit the fuck down because this ain't going nowhere with this kind of energy. It's not, it's not happening with this kind of energy. Calm the fuck down. So I calmed the fuck down and, um, and I waited. And so at some point, I went to, uh, moved into my new apartment and I, you know, set it up and put my focus on saying, okay, I'm going to stay in Kansas city and so be it. I'm going to be single. And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking there's nobody here. Like there's nobody here that's going to be weird and into spiritual stuff and like, you know, in the same kind of, into the same kind of music as me and, you know, whatever. And I told the universe that there was no way. (laughs) Okay. And be careful when you do that because, You know, you just, you have no idea how something's going to come to you. And a lot of times we end up blocking out the very thing that we want because we're so sure it's going to come a different way. And the universe in a lot of ways was kind of like, Aaliyah, sit down and hold my beer. I'm about to show you and put all the pie in your face. (laughs) Because what happened was, is that during the time period of uh, George Floyd, um, when all that stuff was going down at the same time, I made a decision to get on Bumble, not to date, but to talk to black men in Kansas City and see how they were doing. There was no intention of like, let's hit somebody up and let's try this. There was no expectation. There was merely just my heart is hurting for the world right now. And knowing the type of person I am and the type of work that I do, maybe I can offer someone some, some sense of, uh, you know, community, you know, through this platform anyway. So then I swipe on David and, uh, we talk, my opening line to him was, how's your heart, King? And we kind of had a small conversation and he's like, would you like to meet up for coffee? And, you know, during the thick of COVID, it was like, oh, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. Well, if we can do it outside. And so we met up at this small coffee shop and, uh, you know, in the courtyard or whatever. And as soon as I saw him, as soon as I saw him, I was like, holy shit, I think that's 
think that's the guy from my dream. Now, he didn't look exactly like he did in the dream, but damn close, <laughs> damn close. And even to the point where I, I looked at his hands thinking like, I remember those hands, like dancing with those hands that seemed important. And I, I just, I, you know, in this moment, he gave me a hug and I was like, this is the guy. I knew it. I knew it then. Like every, every energy goose pimple popped up saying, this is it. Like, you know, this person. And so we had a four hour long date, just talking, just talking about everything and spiritual things, philosophical things, you know, just so many weird shit that I never have conversations with. Um, and most people that I talk to and, and I was just, I was elated because it was like, wow, I feel like I, I met that person, not out of desperation, not out of, you know, it was just a knowing. So after our date, um, you know, he gives me this kiss <laughs> that, um, it was, it's so funny. I, I feel like I'm losing words here because it was just, it was just a striking of knowing it wasn't like, you know, like butterflies. It was home. It was calm. It was, I, I know who you are. I trust you already. Like those things. So we left the day. He's like, okay, I'll call you tonight. And I get back on Bumble to um, deactivate my account. <laughs> but before I do that, I go to look at like, look at his picture screenshot so I can send it to my friends. <laughs> and I see that he deleted me from Bumble. And I had this massive, like small, massive, I don't know, uh, panic attack. Oh shit. He's going to ghost me. The date didn't go as well as I thought it did because this is what I was used to, by the way. Um, the three years that I was dating in between my divorce and now, like that's what would happen. You'd go on this great date and then you would never hear from them again. And you're like, what the hell happened? And so I had a mini panic and then I prayed and I was like, no, I said I was going to surrender. If this isn't the person like what's meant for me, won't miss me. What's meant for me, won't miss me. What's meant for me, won't miss me. I need to calm down. Okay. He does call me. We talk for another four hours. The next day we go on a date. Um, it's, you know, five or six hours. Like we've been inseparable ever since. And so it was, it was me noticing that, okay, there's something that shifted inside of me that unhid myself. And there was something that I opened a portal or something that I opened that said, okay, I'm ready for this. And that portal looked like calming the fuck down and surrendering and trusting, okay, whatever's supposed to come when it's supposed to come. And now I mind you, mind you, it, I believe that it happens really fast after that, that happens if you truly do it. Um, and we'll get into that later. But anyway, I, I had such a calm feeling of like, okay, here it is. So fast forward just a, a few weeks and uh, we had a scare, pregnancy scare. Period was late, but you know what? That was the, if any of you guys watch my Instagram, that was the month everybody seemed to have a late period. It was weird. I called it uh, cycle gate. <laughs> and so, um, it, you know, in that time period, he asked me, he says, well, um, you know, have you ever thought about names for a child? And I said, no, I never let myself think about it because I've always had, um, you know, doctors have always said that I'd have fertility issues and stuff like that. So, um, watching some of my friends have, uh, infertility and the high expectations and feeling the failures of their bodies, um, not to say that's a failure of your body, but them feeling like failures in their bodies because they couldn't produce a child. I said, I don't, I don't want that heartbreak. I don't, I don't want to have that expectation. I don't want to feel that, what that feels like, um, you know, to feel like I, I can't, so I, I won't even let myself want it. And just, you know, protecting, trying to protect myself. And so I've never imagined myself as a mom. I never let myself go into, you know, names and uh, what the nursery would look like and never look into nothing, nothing. It wasn't a part of my, my, my spectrum. Even my friends, my friends have two and three kids and uh, they would talk about all their stuff and I would really just shut my like zone out, let not let myself think about it. So when he asked me that, I was like, I have no clue, never thought about it. He says, what do you think about the name Cairo? And it hit me like a ton of bricks because some of you guys already know I have a past life in Cairo that I'm very, very fond of, that I remember often. And I even associated David with 
the person that I had met when I was in that lifetime. So the fact that he said that, I was like, holy shit, you're Obedum Domnia. Um, for those of you guys who didn't know <laughs> the, the previous episode, um, that is the the lover, the person, um, my husband in that past life who I like most dearly loved. Anyway, so it was, it was such a, we had never talked about that. So it was such a weird, like some people would call coincidence, but I thought absolutely a fucking sign. And I said, I love it. I absolutely love it. Let's do it. Like that's, that's a great name. Found out I'm not pregnant. Was then disappointed, shocked that I was disappointed because I only knew homeboy for a minute. And <laughs> I'm like, how, how, this is not good logic. This isn't good rationale. Oh yeah. Like, you know, think with your brain. Like you just met this person. You're gonna have a baby with this person. You crazy. Anyway. So a few weeks passed by and, um, it's maybe six weeks after we had been dating. He had already told me he loved me. Like we we figured out, you know, what we want for our lives and whatnot. And he asked me and says, do you think we should start trying? And because, you know, if we are PCOS and my endo and other friends having a really hard time. And I said, you know what? I don't know. I don't feel like no, but I don't feel like yes. And I guess I'm just looking for a sign. And he says, okay, and <laughs> just walks in the other room, gets ready for work. And in, I kid you not, one minute, guys, one fucking minute, I got on Pinterest and I see a picture of Tia Maori. And I'm like, huh, you know, something sparks my interest about her. And I click on her profile. And when I click on her profile on her Instagram, I'm not following her or anything like that. And um, I just do a couple scrolls and I click on one picture and in the picture, it says TBT to, um, our five-year vow renewal. Um, we like to renew our vows every five years, but we couldn't our 10th year anniversary because I was way pregnant with Cairo. Now I almost, I, I dropped my phone <laughs> and I almost let out like a, a, a weird moan noise because I was like, how in the fuck? how, how, it, like, I just asked for a sign and it's right here, like right here. I'd have to wait. <laughs> um, it was in my face. It was absolutely in my face. And so I said, and I've been dying to tell you guys this for a long time. <laughs> I haven't been able to say anything since August. Um, but I'm, 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 I'm yelling at David and I'm like, babe, look at this. I had literally just said out loud, I'm looking for a sign. And then boom, there it was. And he says, you have to trust that. That is, that is real. Like you'd be a hypocrite because you tell all your followers to, to listen to those signs. And I was like, I know, I know, I know. And I said, okay, but here's the deal. We'll try this month. And if we get pregnant, we'll know that it was supposed to happen. It was supposed to happen like this. If we don't, then we won't try for a year. Okay. He says, deal. So I, we do the deed, <laughs> if you will. Um, and you know, uh, a few weeks later I'm walking, I'm actually, I uh, went to go shoot a wedding and I'm at this wedding and I'm walking across and first of all, noticing that like my sense of smell has gone way up and I'm like, this is, this is weird. And it's also annoying. It's like, I feel like I can smell, um, you know, someone baking a Skittle from <laughs> a mile away. And, um, I'm with one of my friends and she's like, Oh my God, you're pregnant. And I'm like, no, I'm not like, it's only been like two weeks. Like we, there's no way we can know right now. Um, so I have my mask on. I have two masks on. We're we're shooting this wedding and halfway through, I guess the day I'm walking across the floor, across the building. And I, and I just, just noticed that for the last, like, I mean, for half of the building walk that I've been walking, I've had my hand on my stomach and I was like, Oh, that's weird. Why? Oh, I've never done that before. Why would I have done that? Starting to question my thing. And I'm like, I, I think I might be pregnant. So the night that I go into, it was maybe like a week later or so, um, had a couple tests lined up or whatever. And mind you, I'm not taking this seriously, right? Like I'm thinking like, yeah, like no doctor said it would take forever and I would have problems and this, that, and the other. So I'm not thinking much of it. So I get up in the middle of the night. I have to pee like crazy. I'm like, oh, well, sure. I'll take a test. So pee on the stick, set it down, too sleepy to even wait the two or three minutes that it asked you to wait. So I just went back to bed. And when I get back up, I see a teeny tiny line. And I'm like, nah, that's because I waited too long and it's not, you know, whatever. So I showed it to David and he's like, oh, uh, I, that's, that's pink though. 
And I'm like, yeah, no, but it's probably an evaporation line. It's probably blah, blah, blah. And he's like, all right, well, we'll take another one tomorrow. And I take another one the next day and it's pinker. <laughs> so I show it to him and I'm going, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. Um, and it's weird. We didn't have this like, ah, yeah, you know, whatever. Cause I'm freaking out now and not in a bad way, but just in kind of like a, I haven't prepared myself mentally for what it is that we just did. And in this way, I've, I felt, I felt scared and I felt happy, but I also felt more scared. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, wow. Like I almost said that's, it was too easy. It was too easy. Um, now I'm, I'm, I feel guilty because I have friends who are struggling to get pregnant right now. And I feel also feel like, holy, you know, like more, more uh, pressure towards our relationship. Like, how is this going to, how's this going to work? You know? And it's funny, you ask the universe for things and, and when you get them and they're not on your timeline, you think that they're wrong. <laughs> and so I'm sitting here trying to like grapple with this idea that like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pregnant with the the first time I've ever been pregnant ever at 36. And I'm, I'm unsure about how I feel about it. One, because I'm, I'm scared to get excited, you know, and I'm, I'm afraid um, you know, that there, you know, you hear about all kinds of stuff, right? So I'm sitting in this like crux of all the stuff happening and then all the nausea kicks in <laughs> and <clears throat> the food aversions or whatever. And I'm terribly sick guys. Like the first two, three months, I'm, I'm really like, it's so hard. And I have the, the, the most podcasts I've ever had to do interviews for, during that time period. And even talking too long makes me sick. Um, I can't tell anybody and I'm, I'm feeling super lonely and it's, it's crazy because it's like, this is something I know for most of my life I've wanted and I'm sitting here going, you know, this feels terrible and I'm, I'm, I'm in it, you know? So anyway, um, we get down the road and, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure it's a boy, right? With all my intuition, I'm going, I know that this is a boy. I know this is a boy. However, I had a dream way back when, when my grandmother came to me when she first died and she had a bunch of messages for me. And the first one was, it's a girl, no context, nothing. She just says, it's a girl. And so, um, I, I kind of had that in the back of my head most of the time while we were thinking about it. And, I'm thinking like Cairo doesn't sound much like a, boy, a girl's name, um, you know, but maybe, you know, nine, let's go nine, non-binary. Let's just like let her decide. Um, anyway, so we find out that it's a girl and I, I have that dream kind of like hitting me over and over and over. Like my grandmother told me a long time ago, this is, this is who would be coming in. And so anyway, like all of this stuff comes about and we finally decide on the final name. And we're sitting here, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking like, this is, this is absolutely crazy in this process of also then getting pregnant. I decide, okay, we need to buy a house. Like I've, I've been living in apartments for the last five or six years. I'd really like to have a home someplace to like really anchor down in. We, uh, some of you listened to some past episodes where we found a house and I was like, okay, this is a great house. This, you know, there's like kind of little signs here and there about it. And then it fell through. And when it fell through the same day, I found another house that I actually had a dream about months prior. I had a dream. We moved into a Spanish style house that had a red roof on it. And so when we did get the house and put an offer on the first one, I was like, it's not like the, it's not the Spanish house. <laughs> um, you know, I love the neighborhood. I love this. I love that, but it's not the Spanish house. So when that fell through and then I just did a quick look on Zillow and I saw it, I was like, here it is. And that house is on the same street of the first house I bought when I was 21. And it's the weirdest thing. I was like, I remember this house because I would drive past it all the time and go, oh my gosh, this is such a cool house. And, and that house being open. So anyway, put an offer on that house and, um, and they accepted our offer and, you know, still, still to the, like right today, we're waiting to close on it, but it was all these full circle things. It was like, here I'm back on the, the first street that I started out on, on this journey. 
um, you know, like into this house and now with this, like an all in one year. Okay. I didn't even tell you guys, we haven't even talked about, we're 42 minutes in <laughs> about how my business completely transformed. I was a photographer for, for, you know, however many 16 years and still am. And, but this is my primary job. Now I talk to you guys, we do one-on-ones, we do card readings and, um, you know, workshops and all kinds of stuff. And I, I had, um, a vision and not just a dream, but also like, uh, an audible visiting from some of my guides telling me I wouldn't be like a photographer wouldn't be my primary thing anymore. And I was like, but I'm not good at anything else. Like, what else am I supposed to do? I don't know what else I'm supposed to do with my life. And in that position, like, you know, when you're in that position, it's kind of like, like I said, surrender and saying, universe, what do you have for me? Cause I couldn't see it. I couldn't see how that would happen, how it would unfold. And so funny enough, as I'm sitting here reviewing this insane story of how this year completely unfolded and unraveled and, and I'm a little bit bitching about it because it all happened at the same time. And we have that many changes happen at the same time. It's kind of stressful, <laughs> kind of. Um, and, and while I'm super, super thankful and I, I'm so more blessed than I've ever been in my life, each of these blessings have kind of like a, I wouldn't say a contingency, but an expansion program built in, right? <laughs> so there are lessons and um, even hardships and things that continue to expand you in these manifestations that you get because I do believe that the universe is not like, you know, a genie that's just supposed to answer your women will. Like I think that there are desires that you have for a reason that because they help you expand in some kind of way. And so like my relationship is helping me expand and helping me learn how to love myself and love others and learn how to, you know, learn or, well, I'm getting a good mirror about how anal retentive I am. I had no idea. That was a surprise to me. I thought, mm, I'm super laid back. I don't care about much. Nope. That is not the case. <laughs> Um, that's kind of disheartening. And then, um, you know, with, with my job changing and, um, you know, even being pregnant, you know, like mind you, this show is not going to turn into, um, you know, pregnancy one-on-one or anything like that, but <laughs> I know people are afraid. Some people are afraid of that, but there are, there are things about pregnancy, um, that I'm experiencing that are causing me to surrender in ways that I've, I've never had to before um, to my body, to my body issues, to me having to really take time off to say no, um, how to take better care of myself in ways that I haven't been before. And, and it's, it is no small feat, not, not in the, the slightest. Uh, and so in this process, all of these manifestations that have come all in the same year also contain all their own little lessons too. And so from the outside, it may appear like, wow, everything is happening the way you want it to. And it's like, well, kind of, yeah. Like things are, the things that I've been desiring for a long time are here. Now that they're here, there are expansion programs built in with each one of these things that I need to now work on. This is, this is what leveling up is. And so in this way, um, you know, we're not, we're never done. We're never finished, you know, like we have new manifestations that we want to come in because I believe it's the process in which our soul is starting to learn through. We think if we ever have it in our mind that once I get this thing, I'll be happy. You're wrong. Because once you get that thing, you'll find a new expansion program there. <laughs> and, and it'll say, why wasn't this as easy as I thought it was? I thought this was going to be the thing that made me happy and trying to find ways to be happy before you have that thing. And so, um, you know, something that also hit me was, I, I said to myself, this is, this was so easy. I feel guilty that it was so easy. I didn't deserve it. This came to me super fast. And, um, I was even just telling a client this yesterday. Um, sometimes we are in the process of our manifestation while we're in the thick of whatever trial we're going through in my entire marriage, I was sitting there manifesting the person I'm with now. I wish I had someone who was like this. I wish I had someone who would listen to me. I wish I had, I wish I had, I wish I had. And when it came to the pregnancy, like I'm, I'm 36 towards more towards the end. Some people are later. I'm not comparing myself to them, but with most of my friends, they all had their children in their early twenties. And I was sitting there going, I, I wish I had a family. Like, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. And, you know, in that moment of me feeling guilty that it happened so easily with this part, particular partner, I have, I have 
really held my moments of struggle of feeling left out and feeling like everybody's moving on before I am, um, you know, having such a, such a different life than most of my friends did, not having much to relate to with most people, never getting to even entertain in my mind what it would be like to be a mom because I didn't think I'd ever have it. And so it didn't happen quickly. It happened probably since my first desire in my early 20s. It's almost been 15 years. So just some perspective on that. Today is like not about a lesson, um, but it is about you thinking more so about how you'd like your year to look. Now, I know this year has been super hard for everybody and there are so many struggles I did not mention in this podcast. There's so many things that I went through this year that were uh, uh, crushing, I will say, to say the least. And I know all of you have experienced the same. And while we're all going through it, um, you know, I'm not going to be one to be like 2021 is going to be my year. Um, because this year was my year. Every year is your year. Okay. <laughs> but like, we, we think that there's this idea that like the year that's going to be our year is the year we get everything we want, but maybe the year that was your year is the year that you appreciated everything that you had. And I know that sounds cliche, but like, this was the year. Finally, I got into a place where I said, gosh, I'm, I'm really thankful I have someone's house to live in. You know, I ha I'm really thankful that I have someone I can ask for help from. I'm really thankful that I had these experiences that led up to this point. I'm really thankful that I had my faith. I'm really thankful that I had a moment where I was able to see that I, I shouldn't settle. Like, got to a point where I really started to be thankful for what was happening in the present and stopped trying to make myself happy from things I thought were going to come in the future. And... As I sat, it was like a couple nights ago, um, me and David were laying in bed and uh, he's like, here, you want to listen to some music? And I'm like, aren't we already doing that? Because I had music playing from my phone. And he's like, no, here, here are some headphones. And um, we put on these like our, our over ear headphones and he put it in a splitter into the phone so we can listen to the same song. And I mean, it, music sounds different out of the headphones than it does out of your phone, but we're sitting in bed listening to music and jamming and laughing and being like, ooh, you know, that hook was good. And ooh, check out the bass here. We're both really into music. And for a solid hour, hour and a half, we're sitting there just like laughing and looking into each other's eyes and singing. And, you know, it was, it's a moment that I find indescribable, but it forced me and him to be so present with each other that like, nothing else mattered. You know, it didn't matter that our house hasn't closed yet, or we didn't have this, or we didn't have that, or Christmas was this, or Christmas wasn't that, or it, it just didn't matter. Like in that moment, it, it was so, so present, so palpably present that I was able to see just what the magic of this experience is all about. It is not about getting the million dollars or the dream house or the dream partner or the dream, you know, whatever. It is about really fully feeling each of these experiences to the fullest extent to enjoy what life has to offer. Now, you may be thinking, well, you can say that because you got everything you want. And I, I hear you. And at the same time, there were years and years and years and years and years and years before where I had not. And I had to learn how to do that in some capacity. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is, is that in your new year, what would you like to manifest? Like, you don't have to wait till next year. You can start today. But what, what is it you're trying to manifest? And, and these can be items. Like, I'm not saying like you shouldn't have goals about what it is you're trying to bring into your life. But when we bring those things into our life, do we forget that that's something we wanted at one point? Are we able to be present with it? Or are we looking on to the next thing? Because I can tell you one thing is like, now that I have this relationship and I feel good in this relationship. And now that we have this baby coming, there are new worries that come along with that, right? There are new things that you want for those people or the, the things that you, you've already fostered. So this moment that we had listening in our headphones, I thought this was the most fun 
date <laughs> like in COVID where you can't go anywhere and you can't do anything. And I was like, I had so much fun because we weren't trying to look for something more. We were able to appreciate what was there. And, and that was really a powerful message for me this year. Um, trying to surrender to what the universe had for me and trying to be aware of what that looked like. Can I be patient? Can I wait for it? While I continue to settle for what looks feasible instead of what I really want to ask for. And why do I want to ask for it? I, I started doing that very, a lot this year, questioning my intentions. Why do I want this? Does my ego want it because I need to feel safe? Am I still wounded in areas that I need? I'm looking for healing. Can I love myself in the areas that I'm wounded? Am I still trying to fix myself? Am I still trying to buy something to satiate some kind of void that I'm feeling? Ask the questions. Why do you want what you want? Why are you trying to manifest what you're trying to manifest? Not to say that you shouldn't want the things that you want. Not at all. Just being more present with what those desires are and why. And ultimately, in my philosophy, I believe that when you get to a place where you're so present and you're able to be happy with what it is you've already called in so far, and you say, okay, universe, what would you have for me? Then I believe things start to shift in a really dramatic way. I think that that while I was in Bali, that's where my, 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 um, you know, mantras started changing. I surrender. What do you have for me? Who's this person that you've picked out for me? Like, I want someone who's like this and like this and like this. It's like, you know, the people that say make the list. I get that. I'm not, I'm not negating that. But at some point I said, you know, I've made this list over and over and over and it's keeping me in this element of expectation of wanting this outcome. Can I be present with what it would feel like to be with what it is that I really want? Does money matter? I mean, it matters quite a bit for a lot of people. But you know what I mean? Like they're like the things that sometimes we superficially want overlay our true desire. And if we can get to the root of the true desire and get into the feeling of what it is that we're actually trying to call in, we might make more space for it. So I say this all to you. If you got through this whole podcast, <laughs> listening to my entire year, I'm creating a program um, for next year about how to call in your soulmate, how to call in, you know, things that you're trying to manifest. I didn't give all my secret sauce out on this podcast episode. Um, but I would like to see more of this quick, fast, portaled manifestation happening. And I think I figured out how to do it. Um, I don't think, I know I figured out how to do it after, you know, three and four years of trying to figure out what is it that makes things happen at rapid speed? What makes someone a good manifester? What helps someone get to these experiences quicker? Um, and what is the resistance that causes and stands in the way? And given that I've made so many mistakes, I think I can guide you and tell you uh, how to skip the hard lessons that I had to go through to find it. So anyway, I say this all to you, one, to catch you up and give you a little more personal slice about what's going on in my life, but two, to show you, you can do this too. You can, it's, this is not just for me. I believe this is kind of a law of the universe. And like, I, I hope that in this new year, no matter what happens, that you're able to come to a place where you understand that you deserve these things. You deserve to be happy. You just don't have to manifest everything you want to be happy now. But I do think that being happy now affords you more space to be able to manifest what it is that you want. So anyway, I'm super, super excited for what next year is going to hold and how it will expand us further. And so I want to wish you guys an incredible and safe new year. And um, just to let you know, we're taking a few weeks off, um, you know, just for the new year and the holiday. And we'll start back up on January 11th, one eleven. Um, so this will give you some of you guys an opportunity to catch up on all the episodes. <laughs> um, but I'm really excited for next season. I'm excited for next year. Uh, we have so many wonderful guests that are coming and, uh, really great plans for, 
uh, what we're going to, to, to show out for next year. And so I hope that if you haven't already, you found a way to support the podcast. Um, I will be updating Patreon during the few weeks that we won't be here. So if you're a Patreon member, thank you uh, for contributing. And I hope to provide you some really good content during these weeks. Um, and then if you're not, continue listening. And I hope that you are just doing amazing. I'm so thankful for you guys this year. I posted on my Instagram um, this time last year. We hadn't even broke 8,000 downloads and now we're at 600,000 plus. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing each episode with people, reposting on your Instagram, um, spreading the word. It really does help us here over at Spiritual Shit. And so I, I just, I love you guys. I love you guys so much. So I'm sending so much beautiful and wonderful uh, energy towards you, towards your way that this next year, 2021, will still be your year as this year was, um, but that you would be able to manifest the life of your dreams. I think it's possible and hopefully I'll be able to help you do that as well in the coming year. That's all guys. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you in the next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with someone you love. And if you're interested in becoming a client for energy coaching or card readings, find me at thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do and to book your own session. And don't forget to add me on the lovely Leah on Instagram for daily content and inspiration and hang out with me on Patreon. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you.